Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. We're recording and we are in the swing of things here. It's not only summer officially now that Memorial Day has uh, arrived, but it's also local election season and there's a lot of uh, fireworks going on and it's not quite 4th of July yet, but we're going <laughs> to talk about fireworks as well. Uh, that was Bill Sutton, whose voice you heard right before mine. Hey, Bill. Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And also here's Joe Shaw. Hi, Joe. Hey, Annette. I'm Joe Shaw. I'm the executive editor of the Express News Group. Brendan O'Reilly's here looking very presidential with his background of the Oval Office. Hey, Brendan. I love that Zoom allows me to do these things so I don't just have a gray, boring background. Now I look like I'm in the Oval Office. It's you're convinced, right? Like you 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 thought I was actually I can see it. In the Oval I can Office. see it. Yeah. I can too. You got my vote. I yeah. want to know what kind of booze is in the bottom drawer. I always wondered. <laughs> Hi everybody. I'm Brendan. I am the deputy managing editor. And my name's Annette Hankel. I'm the Arts and Living Editor of the Express News Group. And today we're talking about Southampton Village in a recent meeting that um, was quite something to witness. So with that, I'm going to turn this over to Brendan because he's been listening through the recording of the meeting and is going to share some clips with us and talk a bit about what went down at the Southampton Village board meeting that took place on May 23rd. So... If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, a couple months ago, we did a podcast where we played some clips from like a very fiery meeting of the Southampton Village Board. There was statements read, um, basically excoriating the mayor over the situation with the police chief. The trustees had hired somebody and then that police chief candidate turned down the job and the trustees blamed the mayor's behavior for why he turned down the job. The mayor's defended um, his criticisms of choosing that candidate since then. And for a number of reasons among them that the candidate hadn't passed the police chief's exam yet. So that was like, we said at the time, like, wow, that's wild. We never heard that. We read a statement that was released as a press release on Martin Luther King Day. And, and we said, wow, I, you know, I've never heard this kind of language in a local village before. So that was then, this is now. And now a lot of that stuff doesn't seem all that bad compared to what's being said right now. <laughs> uh, at this most recent meeting, you know, there was an hour of of talk about a site for a septic treatment plant. And then the second hour was the mayor versus the four trustees. The four trustees are in one camp. The mayor is in a camp of one. And there was a series of walk-on resolutions. And to give you some background, the mayor has been trying for a few meetings now to pass a resolution that would eliminate lifetime healthcare benefits for former members of the village board. Now, this would not affect people who are already retired from the village board. If they were vested, they're fine. This would affect the people who are on the board now and who will be on the board in the future. Once they're off the board, 
it doesn't matter if they serve for five years or not, they won't get health benefits for life. And when we say for life, it starts at age 55. So if you're on the board for five years, when you're in your 20s or 30s, you wouldn't get those health benefits till you're 55. There's some thought about... And, and it does affect the current board? Yes, it would, it would affect the current board. So the mayor came in, you know, a few weeks before the election and said, hey, we should do this. And the trustees said, well, obviously you're doing this because of the election and to score political points. And he says... I've been talking about this since 2019. I've always wanted to do this. This isn't a political issue and it should be an easy vote to eliminate healthcare benefits for life. He doesn't believe it should be tied to raises for the board. He doesn't believe it should be tied to longer terms for the board or anything like that. He believes they should just dump it. And a lot of taxpayers feel that way too. Um, for the mayor to say it's not political, there's another thing to look at, which is he has taken clips from the meetings where the trustees refused to vote in favor of this, and he's posted that to his YouTube channel. Mm. So to say that it's not political, but then to use it on his campaign's YouTube channel, you know, how do you, how do you uh, make those two things line up? Clearly, it's an election issue, and clearly he's leaning on this to say, you know, I'm the only one that wants to get rid of healthcare benefits for life for the trustees, and they don't. However, for their part, some of the trustees have said like, well, yes, we do want to look at this and getting rid of healthcare benefits for life might be something we want to do. Roy Stevenson said that a couple of times, but what he doesn't want to do is to just do it in isolation without looking at things like, well, if we get rid of the healthcare benefits for life, do we also need to look at the salaries? Do we also need to look at um, the ter terms and maybe there should be term limits or maybe we should have four-year terms instead of two? So the mayor comes in with this resolution again to say, let's get rid of healthcare benefits for life. Previously, they said they wanted more information. A couple of committees came in a previous meeting and gave the board more information. And he said, well, you got your more information, so let's do it. However, the Is there, let, me, let, me, let me interrupt you. Is yes. there any way to calculate how much money the village would save o over time or, or is it impossible to calculate knowing not knowing who the future board members are and how many there would be there was a calculation i believe that the calculation was that this current board would cost taxpayers over six million dollars and a lot of that could actually be linked to the mayor because the mayor is the youngest person on the board so he would be a recipient of those benefits for longer than anybody else would be so uh, the figure was over six point one million, I believe. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And and Brendan, while we're at it, let me ask: Is this unusual? Uh, I mean, I think the town offers that benefit as well, right? Uh, do other villages offer this too? I don't know how soon the town offers it in the village. It's a five-year vesting period. I don't know what Southampton Town is like. I know that West Hampton Beach just got rid of this. And Mayor Warren modeled this resolution off of West Hampton Beach's resolution. So there is precedent for getting rid of it. Right. Um, and also, it is 100% health benefit, right? So if you are on a family plan, you would be getting like more than $30,000 cost to the village taxpayers for you to put yourself and your spouse on a plan. And you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to say like, okay, the, the village pays 90%, you pay 10%, you pay 0%. So 
the mayor fought to get this on the agenda and you'll listen to the clip and the deputy mayor says, hey, you put this on the agenda again without speaking to anyone. This only showed up this afternoon. And I've seen the emails. He tried to get this on the agenda at least a week before, but the trustees and the village administrator were resistant to allowing him to put it on the agenda. There's more background to this, which is that the trustees initially instructed the village attorney through the village administrator that he may not spend time, which is billable hours, uh, drafting legislation for the mayor unless they know that that legislation at least has a second. When they instructed the village administrator to just tell the village attorney this, they didn't actually pass a resolution, which is generally how policy is made. You have a discussion out in public and you pass a resolution at a meeting. The trustees just decided this and the attorney was told to do this via email. And then it got extended to, well, the attorney can't just write legislation on behalf of the mayor unless there's a second. He also can't write resolutions unless there's a second. So the mayor was trying to get a resolution onto the agenda and it took him more than a week to do it because uh, he didn't have a second, but the mayor is supposed to be able to put things on the agenda. That's kind of what village mayors do, whether anybody wants to second or, or not. And he had been trying to do that for more than just that afternoon. He had been doing it for he'd been trying to get it on the agenda for a week. Right. And it had been on previous agendas. So let me uh, just start diving into some clips because it will give you a sense of how things transpired. So what you're about to hear is the mayor gets his agenda item on the agenda like he wanted, and it was seconded by trustee Arresta, not because she wanted to pass it, but because she immediately wanted to table it. And then she wanted to walk on a resolution that would budget $5,000 to fund a study of trustee compensation and terms and to have a study come back and offer recommendations of what to do uh, rather than the mayor's idea, which is just to uh, eliminate this and consider uh, terms as a separate issue. That being said, uh, I would like to make a motion to table this because uh, I would like to uh, have a um, resolution, a walk-on resolution mm -hmm. that pertains to this. And uh, we could have that and then I'll explain the reason uh, why, because uh, once again, this was put on and it's going against the advice of the Planning Commission and it's going against the advice of the Budget and Finance Committee uh, that recommended a, a neutral third party come in to assess everything that's involved with this. The term of uh, the trustees and mayor, the terms of uh, uh, as well as their benefits as well as their uh, what the what their uh, salaries are so if uh, Kathy can you pass that resolution mm -hmm. so I'd like to make a motion all right before that I'll, I'll continue the discussion uh, just to say that the first comment that was made um, was not uh, I don't believe is correct because this resolution was not only on the agenda uh, about a month ago but it was also given to Andrew um, it was not uh, on the agenda that came out yesterday, Jesse. This came, just came on this afternoon. This was given one week ago. Is, I'm just going to defer this to, to Andrew just to confirm that, if you can just confirm that timeline. Ma Mayor, you asked me to ask Madam Clerk to add this to the agenda on, obviously at, at, the, at a prior meeting, 
but for this agenda, the mayor asked me to ask the clerk to add this on May 16th. And I followed up yesterday, mm -hmm. the 22nd. Okay, well, it wasn't on what went out yesterday, so um, but am I not correct in saying that? Nor no. was there any discussion about it uh, amongst the, uh, between you or any of the trustees. So that's just the point that I'm bringing out, the lack of communication. So with that, I'd like to uh, make a motion to uh, gonna, walk on a resolution you, that pertains to this. The, I just, I'm just going to finish up, and I just appreciate you giving me a moment to, to speak. Mm -hmm. um, we've had two meetings on this topic, and I, I thought that we were ready to move forward with this. And the reason for that is the Budget and Finance Committee came out and did their study with the Planning Commission that was asked for. And what they determined in that study was that the cost of the lifetime benefits for the part-time elected officials was approximately $6.7 million well, for this entire board. Well, that's $4.5 million would if we, you, Jesse. If we invest with $1.7 million uh, going towards the four trustees of this board. They also uh, had a study that said that they looked at various mayors and trustees across the East End. <clears throat> and what that study said was that the highest paid mayor made $109,000 per year, and I actually was the lowest paid mayor. But then they, they also, also did not have a village administrator. So they, they also looked at the uh, trustees' compensation. And the, while the village trustees' compensation is $15,000 per year, it is the highest paid trustee group out of the uh, villages that was surveyed uh, by the Budget and Finance Committee and the Planning Commission. Um, what I don't want to do here is to have a walk-on resolution, which was not on the agenda, which I am just looking at now for the first time. And now what I think the board is suggesting we do is to spend more taxpayer money doing an additional study by the Center for Governmental Research to determine uh, whether or not we should have uh, benefits for life for this board being part-time elected officials and to determine uh, whether or not we should get raises. Um, as I said, I'm not asking for a raise. I serve this community each and every day to the best of my ability because I love the community. I want to see clean water. I want to see a uh, revitalized downtown. Um, I would do this for free if I needed to. Um, the fact of the matter is, is well, that... Then why not? Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that I do not think we need to spend more taxpayer money doing a study to determine whether or not we should get the health care benefits for life and whether or not we should get raises. Um, that is something that we can determine. And we did have the Budget and Finance Committee and the Planning Commission come out. So I wholeheartedly and disagree. And recommended that we have a third party uh, that it does not have vested interest do a study. And this is this uh, um, uh, CGR who has done other studies for us and with wonderful outcomes. Uh, that they will do this study if it's less than $5,000, which is a good, mm. very good investment, and it's fair to all. And we are taking the advice of the committees that we have that give us advice. And I, would, I don't really appreciate, or I wouldn't if I was on one of these committees, making suggestions as an advisory uh, committee that we ask them to do and then just disregard what they say, which you seem to do. So there's a point here so, uh, uh, that I should be raised, which is, there's this attitude throughout the meeting that if 
the trustees have a planning commission or the finance committee and the commission comes back or the committee comes back and makes a recommendation that the board has to do it. And she points out accurately that if you ask people to be on these committees and commissions and then just ignore what they say, obviously people are gonna feel discouraged. Maybe they don't wanna serve, but the village board's hands are not tied to do whatever these committees recommend, right? So it's pertinent here to mention that on the planning commission, there was at least two members who were against the idea of extending the terms of office of the mayor and the trustees. And when their terms came up, the mayor tried to reappoint them back to the positions that they had held. I know at least one of those people had been on the planning commission for many, many years, predating Mayor Warren's administration. And the trustees refused to reappoint those two people who were against extending term limits. So the planning commission's recommendations might be that we should look at um, extending the length of trustee terms, but the planning commission also lost the two dissenters who did not want to do that. And they lost the two dissenters because the trustees refused to reappoint them. Mm. Brendan, let me ask you a question. In the context of the pending village election, that's got a lot to do with this, right? It's, it seems like there's a there's a push here to kind of delay action on this until after the election. Is that fair? I mean, I'm just looking at this objectively, and it seems to me that that, that may be part of what's what's in play here is that the, that the trustees are just trying to get this whole issue pushed until after the village elections, rather than having having the mayor put through a fairly sizable um, measure like this right on the, the doorstep of the village election and maybe gain some points from it. Right, they don't want it to be something that was done in haste because there's an election and they all wanna say like, oh look, we canceled our benefits. I think the trustees don't want to do this in isolation, in haste, because there is an election. They want to say, well, is it the right move to actually get rid of healthcare benefits for life for the trustees, not just for us, but for anyone else who might want to be a trustee in the future? Maybe that means we're not going to get as much interest in being a trustee, or maybe the solution isn't to get rid of healthcare benefits for life entirely. Maybe it is to make sure that the people have to just kick in something. Maybe it's not a question of all or nothing. And it's also been pointed out that at some, at some age, people go on Medicare and then the benefits coming from the village are just supplemental. So you're not actually getting all of your healthcare benefits paid for by the village. It would be less than like the $30,000 couples plan uh, figure that I cited before. So they they don't want to just do this like, oh, it's an election, we better do this. And now, five years from now, they can't get anybody to serve on the board because there's no health care benefits in retirement. And also the salary for a trustee is still $15,000 because they didn't do this in conjunction with uh, raising the salaries. And also, they want to have a resolution where they consider their terms of office all in the same breath and they're not piecemealing everything. 
and to be fair, it's con- this is all complicated. I mean, you, you know, you, it's not really a yes or no question. There are a lot of a lot of variables here about what you're going to allow. And, and as you said, you know, when you say no lifetime benefits, that leaves open the door to a lot of other options. You could you could have, you know, benefits for a certain number of years or a certain percentage or whatever. So um, I'm not sure it's unreasonable to say there's a, lo- a little more conversation that needs to take place. The devil's advocate, though, too, uh, you know, on 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 the mayor's side, I mean, nobody knows what the makeup of the board's going to look like um, in, in a matter of, of weeks and, and whether he's going to be around and if he's been um, promising to look at this for, for a couple of years and, and wants to try to get this done now in case he's not on the board or not reelected, then, you know, then there's an argument there too, the, you know, that he wants to get this done. And, and I think that, um, whether whether there's a political angle to it or not, and and mo- probably um, probably there is, um, this may just be an effort by the by the mayor to you know to to make all a promise that he's made, which he's also had four years to do. Well, so that's the devil's devil's advocate side <laughs> of it, Brendan. There's another there's another small thing that I wanted to point out. And that is that Gina Arresta, the deputy mayor made a comment early on about the, uh, the fact that the measure was, was up for a vote and there hadn't been any conversation about it before the meeting. You know, this board seems to not really get the idea that you're not supposed to discuss this stuff outside of a public meeting to the degree that I think they want to that they seem to want to come to these meetings and have their ducks in a row having had these conversations offline before before having any kind of discussion in public which is not the way the public meetings law works right the open meetings law right you're supposed to be having these discussions in public you're not supposed to get together decide what you want to pass and then go to a meeting and pass it you're supposed to deliberate in public and there was this disconnect of trustee Arresta falsely accusing the mayor of putting it on the agenda that afternoon. That's not what he did. He'd been trying for at least a week to get it on the agenda. Um, and he got resistance because of the trustee's own direction given to the administrator and to the village attorney. Um, but then the trustees walked on three resolutions and walk on means it's not on the agenda. It gets added on at the meeting. And the way to walk on a resolution is generally you need four people to vote to walk it on instead of three people, which is how many it would take generally to pass a resolution. So the trustees did what she wanted, which is discuss things before the meeting outside of public view and then put them on the agenda to pass them. But Okay, Mayor, you did something bad by adding this to the agenda this afternoon. By the way, here's three things that we're adding to the agenda one hour and 10 minutes into the meeting. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't get what she's mad at the mayor for because it seems like she's doing the thing that she's upset about. Um, the difference is when the mayor did this, he didn't discuss it with anyone. Uh, when the deputy mayor and the rest of the trustees did this, they had a discussion. And that's always what she seems to be asking for. Well, we should have discussed this before we put it on the agenda. Clearly, the trustees discussed these three walk-on resolutions before this meeting. 
But what was even weirder about it is instead of preparing these in conjunction with the village attorney, they prepared these in conjunction with Vince Toomey, who was the village's labor attorney. At least one of these had to do with a personnel matter. So you could say, yes, that's why they discussed it with with him. But why was the village attorney left out? He he no, he mentions that he got a heads up that Vince Toomey might be there that meeting. But these three walk on resolutions were not given to the village attorney before the meeting. Why are they keeping the village attorney out of the loop? And my educated guess is because if they gave it to the village attorney before the meeting, as soon as they had it prepared, they would have shared it with the mayor and they didn't want the mayor to have a heads up about it. If this was literally not prepared until after the meeting started and the attorney showed up and that's why they walked it on that way, it also raises the question of, you know, why couldn't they just wait to do it at the next meeting? Why couldn't they do it at a notice meeting or tell the attorney, sorry, you have to have this ready more than 48 hours before the meeting so it can be on the agenda and that it doesn't come as a surprise. So this first walk on resolution about the $5,000 study was the tip of the iceberg because the next two is when we went from a semi-acrimonious meeting to a very, very acrimonious meeting. Stay tuned. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books. Collections, libraries, individual titles, very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. Let me just clarify, the other board members are basically kind of freezing out Jesse Warren in a lot of the things that are going on. Is that is that what I'm getting here? Yes. Okay. What's remarkable about that too, Annette, is I'm remembering last June when Bill Manger was elected to the board along with Gina Aresta, who won a new term, and Joe McLaughlin was ousted from his seat on the board, and Kimberly Allen, who was another person who was sort of one of Jesse's. Joe McLaughlin had, had originally been sort of a colleague of Jesse's, but he had run afoul of the mayor Mm -hmm. over his term in office and Kimberly Allen was a pretty regular critic of the mayor so we were sitting here last June thinking well wow the mayor now has pretty much a 5-0 board that that the four trustees are all pretty favorable to the mayor and and we may see a 5-0 vote on everything as we move forward and it did not take long for this board to just turn completely 180 degrees and become four to one against the mayor. Is that a fair characterization, Brendan? Yeah, it, it, you could see it happening 
over a few meetings. Um, one of the things that I think really annoyed the trustees, you know, there were things going on in the background that we learned about when uh, lawsuits and letters came out. But one thing that I saw as an early indication that the mayor and the trustees are just not going to get along was they would go to pass um, a resolution that gets passed like almost every meeting or every month to say to approve the warrants to make sure the bills are being paid and the mayor would vote against it and he would even say like this is a you know a symbolic vote basically to say that we have to tighten our belts and we can't be spending as much but basically he was putting himself in a position to be like okay here's something that absolutely needs to pass otherwise the bills don't get paid and the bills obviously need to get paid i'm going to be the one that votes against it and I'm going to look very fiscally responsible for voting against it. And I'm sending a strong message about spending. But the trustees have to pass it because it must pass. The village can't function if this doesn't pass. So you have a mayor sitting on the dais with the four other members, and he's making himself look good. And he's making them look bad yeah. for no reason other than symbolism. And putting the trustees in this position of this is a must pass bill, but I'm going to, I'm going to vote against it. So you're going to have mm. to vote for it. Mm. Yeah. You know, putting them in that position when they were supposed to be allies just did not, it just did not bode well for what was going to happen in the future. And that's mm. kind of the story, like with these benefits too, it's like, he gets to look like the hero, you know, even if he knows that the board is not going to agree with doing away with the benefits. Right. He wants it on the agenda, so the trustees have to be seen as not passing it and refusing to pass it. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, you know, he put a video clip on his campaign's YouTube, so everybody will know that the trustees would not uh, vote to move that forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it got worse. <laughs> as it often does. So there's about uh, close to another 40 minutes of this. So I'm going to skip ahead a bit because the facts uh, we don't have that kind of time. You don't, you don't state the facts. First of all, Jesse, you made this a political issue during a campaign time because that's what this is about right now for you. I want to go and do this the right way. And this is the right way of doing this. I've said that before and I'm saying it again. And this is the right way. It's fair for the residents. It's fair for the people that serve. And you don't want to alienate people to be able to serve on this board. So, <clears throat> so can we can we have a, uh, do you have a motion well, then? I would uh, have a motion to table so, uh, the 19. So is there a motion to table? Raise, okay, so do not portray that to the public because it is not only that issue. This is trustee Bill Manger who is running for mayor against Jesse Warren. You have to be, you have to tell the whole truth of what this is about. Read the resolution, compensation, benefits, and terms of office for elected officials. It's, it's, it's a complex issue as an editorial in the Southampton Press pointed out a couple few weeks ago. So it's not as simple as you like to portray it. That being said, I would like to read now something. So rather than um, going through Trustee Manger reading the statement, I'll summarize. He was committing to saying that 
if he would get vested because of the delays that is being created by ordering a study, he's going to refuse that investiture. Um, so it doesn't look like he's creating a delay to get himself vested. Trustee Bill Manger was elected last year. However, he previously served on the board. So between his previous service and his new service of one year going on two, he would become vested. He would hit that five-year mark. So he's saying, hey, even if this study takes a while, I'm not going to become vested uh, by virtue of voting today to order this study. And you know, he asked Jesse Warren to make the same commitment and Jesse asked the, the whole board to make the same commitment, which uh, did not happen. I, I wanna get to the next issue, um, even though Trustee Stevenson had some things to say about compensation too. So as I said, that resolution led to a bit of a fight and it was kind of a repeat of a fight we had seen before. Now we get into the second resolution where the first uh, fight uh, seems trivial. Kathy, would you be uh, so kind as to uh, mm -hmm. Is there I have, a, I'm, I'm sorry, is I, there haven't a second? Seen, I have not even seen what this is going to be. Um, oh, that's why it's a walk-on. That's why it's called a walk-on. Is there a motion for walk-on? Resolution number two. Can I just have a look at the resolution I first? I make the motion. A second? Do we have a second? Second. I'd All discussion. in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Okay. So I'm a, opposed. I, I haven't opposed seen it yet, so... Vince, are you here for this? Uh, for this? Yes, Mayor. That's what I suspected. Good evening, Vince. Mm -hmm. Andrew, are you aware that Vince was was coming tonight? Uh, he did tell me okay. that he may attend. I actually think I. This is two here. Extremely inappropriate, and I'll let the trustees read it and and pass it. Actually, I um, but. Should read. But I just I, I don't think this is inappropriate at all. Can okay. we uh, go yes. on with the reading? Thank you. Thank you, Trustee Avesta. Whereas the village has the right under Section 18 of the New York Public Officers Law, as well as other applicable provisions of law, to defend and indemnify public employees and officials from liabilities for acts taken while the employee or official was acting within the scope of their public employment or duties except where the injury or damage resulted from intentional wrongdoing or recklessness on the part of the employee or official and whereas the village of Southampton attains insurance coverage to protect the public and village employees and officials from exposure to certain types of liability for official acts performed within the scope of their employment and whereas the insurance policies obtained by the village require among other things that the village and any employees and officials who were subject to claims cooperate in the defense of such claims and take reasonable steps to prevent further injury or damage resulting from such claims and whereas on or about March 13, 2023, the village received notification of a claim from attorneys for Mayor Warren's former assistant that alleged, among other things, sexual harassment and a hostile work environment created by Mayor Warren, as well as a failure to properly pay wages in violation of federal and state law, and whereas the letter was marked as confidential for settlement purposes only, and provided to the mayor and trustees by council for the village and whereas council for the village advised the mayor and trustees verbally and in writing not to release the March 13, 2023 letter and whereas 
Mayor Warren provided the letter to the media and commented upon it. And whereas the attorneys for the claimant advised the village that the release of the letter was retaliatory and had caused further damage to their client and that they would bring additional claims against the village and Mayor Warren for releasing said letter. And so Brendan, unpack that, that for us. This, this, is, this is related to a story we did. And as I recall, we had gotten wind that there was this lawsuit that was filed and the mayor had turned over a copy of this letter to us in which we reported on. And, and that's what prompted this conversation to take place, right? So the lawsuit wasn't even filed yet and it wasn't even officially a notice of claim. It was a letter that says, hey, these are all of these issues that we have regarding harassment, discrimination and unpaid wages. And we're telling you about it in case you want to consider settling. And it wasn't exactly a notice of claim, which is a precursor to a lawsuit. It was less formal than that. I'm allowed to use the freedom of information law to request notices of claim that the village receives because this wasn't technically a notice of claim. It wouldn't be in the book of claims or wherever these things get stashed away. So the mayor brought this letter to the Southampton press to say, I want you to know this is going on. Uh, my former assistant has sent this letter indicating the possibility of wanting a settlement or perhaps suing the village over um, these certain claims. And the claims in the letter say, I was promised overtime I didn't get. I was promised raises I wasn't getting. I was promised a change in title I wasn't getting. I was discriminated against for being a woman. I was sexually harassed, etc." So the mayor handed this over it was marked confidential. Whether I could have foiled for it um, because it wasn't a notice of claim, I'm not sure because I haven't tested that. I didn't try. And then once you try, maybe the first round they say no, and then you appeal it. And then if they appeal it and the village still says no, then you could bring an Article 78 action, which allows you to appeal a local municipality's decision. It never got that far. So I couldn't tell you offhand whether the mayor is right that this was a public document, but he felt very strongly that this is a document the public should have. He also claimed over the course of this meeting that the trustees threatened to release the details of that letter before the election to harm his reelection chances, uh, which the trustees have denied. So he beat them to it, basically. He, he wanted to release it on his terms. Right. And this resolution says if damages are awarded specifically for retaliation by releasing that letter and the insurance company says we are not covering you for those damages because the mayor by releasing that letter refused to cooperate in the village's defense the village itself is not going to pay those costs so it's a multi-step thing here the court or, or perhaps a settlement would have to specifically award damages related to that letter being released to the media. And if those damages are awarded, only if the insurance company refuses to insure the village for that specific thing, 
the mayor would be on the hook for it personally instead of the village being on the hook for it because typically the village indemnifies village officers when they get sued. They're creating a carve out for everything else that happens, you know, sexual harassment, discrimination based on genders, um, wages, that would still be covered uh, by the insurance company. But because the insurance company specifically noted, like, you have to cooperate in your own defense, um, they created this carve out for this specific thing. And this would make Jesse Warren potentially personally liable. Yes, uh, not not just potentially. Well, I don't. I, I'm I'm curious as to whether even if the resolution is passed, that 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 would hold up in 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 a court. Yes, I I mean if if that were you in that position, and you would probably go to the court and say, no, the village has to no. continue to indemnify me. They can't retroactively unindemnify no. me. But just to be to be clear, the argument they're making is that the village's attorneys were very clear that this letter was confidential and that by releasing the letter, Jesse may have actually harmed their defense. So that would be the case. Well, not the village's attorneys, the insurance oh, I'm company. Sorry. Okay. So what, what uh, state is this um, lawsuit in? Has it been? It would. It's still not filed. So that's the other thing. The lawsuit doesn't exist right. yet. <laughs> I mean, they might settle it before lawsuits even filed because that was the purpose of the letter to seek a settlement. But but it's the same thing. Um, if this was about the lawsuit itself and protecting the taxpayer purely, uh, could it have waited until after the election? Could they have just passed it after the election? Um, I suppose not in case the mayor won a brand new majority with his two candidates, then they wouldn't have any hope of passing it. So they kind of do have to pass it before the election because they're at the risk of losing the majority. But passing something like this less than a month before the election leads to Jesse Warren saying, well, you're obviously doing this a couple of weeks before the election to harm me politically. And they're saying, no, we're doing it to protect the taxpayer. Hi, this is Michael Wright. I'm a reporter for the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and 27East.com. I cover East Hampton Town and follow important stories about the environment, including the coming South Fork wind farm, its impact on the fishing industry, and other water quality issues. We follow East Hampton Town and village government, and I'm asking the tough questions and providing you with important answers. My colleagues and I in the editorial department work hard as watchdogs for this community, but we can't do it without our subscribers. If you find the work we're doing valuable to you, please subscribe by visiting 27East.com forward slash subscribe. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know if Andrew, you knew this was coming or not. I have not seen this, and Mayor, before discussion concludes, I'd like an opportunity to, to discuss this with the board in executive session before a vote is taken on this resolution. I think that's a good idea. Um, um, I don't see the reason to discuss this in executive session. I would be happy to Hence, discuss would that. Would there be a reason to discuss this in executive session? I don't know what the reason would be. Yeah, I would have to, I'd like to know. I mean, after I would all, this is an open item here. I would suggest meeting. that the board's discussion. I mean, uh, the mayor always says he's the mayor of transparency. I would suggest so. the, the board can continue the discussion, and if it's all right with Mr. Toomey, I'll step out with him for a moment. So they actually did take counsel. a recess um, just so the two attorneys could speak to each other. The one thing that they struck 
from the resolution was a line that said they were doing this because the attorney for the mayor's former assistant or secretary um, said that this was going to lead to a new action. For whatever reason, the village attorney and the labor council agreed to strike just that one part, but they kept the rest if of it. God forbid something happens. Like what? This, there goes my house. There goes my business. There goes my livelihood. But Mr. Mayor, you, you uh, considered no. that before you released the contents of the letter, which you were advised not to do. That's why this is happening. You. This is trustee Roy Stevenson. Brought this upon yourself. That's not what's happening here. That is exactly what's happening here. You put the village at great risk here, Jesse, by doing what you did. You took something that was confidential and you leaked it to the press. And that, and we would, we would, this was a confidential matter that involved a, a person. We were told and advised by not only the attorneys, but the insurance company. And you put the village at great risk here because we may not be covered for this now because of what you did for your own political gain. Trustee Arresta, I would just appreciate if I could finish what I'm saying I, and then I will call on everybody in a respectful manner. But you say things that comment. are not correct, Jesse. The fact of the matter is, is that every municipal officer does deserve to be indemnified from coverage. And what this action is, is nothing more than malicious and punitive. And I am happy to put myself out there as I did in 2019 when I first ran for this office. Everyone knows how hard I've worked at this job. Everyone knows how much I care about this job. But to do this today in this fashion is nothing more than punitive. And it is the worst possible thing that anybody could do. And I think this action is representative of this entire board of trustees. People ask me all the time, they say, what's going on with the board? What's going on with your relationship with the board of trustees? This says it all. The Jesse, fact that they would go the about and doing this. this. You did. You put the village at great risk for what you did on May 13th. No. Okay, so are we going to take this? Excuse me, Trustee What are we Resto. doing here? Because yeah, this I think, is, I think, excuse me. I think Vince wants to speak. No, so. you, you told me, you told me in no uncertain terms that you were going to give this to the press a week before I the election. I did not say that, Jesse. You came to my house and told me I had to stop this. I said, stop, stop, stop. what? Stop Bill from running against you. And you said to me when you were walking out of my house after you sat at my kitchen table and said to me, this is going to get bad. This is going to get mean. You threatened me. After you stated to me you were going to tamper with this election, and the next day, this is what happened. That's the truth. Well, they, they need couples counseling. That's the truth. At my kitchen table. Uh, some of the talk that goes on was happening from the audience, and it's not really mic'd properly. So. Yeah. so basically, it sounds like all sorts of stuff's going on outside of the public eye as far as this board. There, there's spillover. It's in these moments of anger where you see the spillover, where people start to say what they allege happened during private conversations. This is so, you know, step back for a second. This, you know, we talk about all the time boards being dysfunctional, but this is kind of a level of dysfunction you don't normally see on a municipal board where the members are really openly hostile, hostile, hostile to each other um, in public. Um, 
I don't, I don't know if, have we seen this before? I mean, I, we've seen dysfunctional boards before for sure, but this really is sort of unique, isn't it, Brendan? I, 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 this, this is kind of a unique circumstance, I think. I, I never have seen the the Southam Village board like this. I mean, there's been there's been other things like uh, at one point, you know, Jesse and former trustee Joe McLaughlin were allies until trustee McLaughlin didn't vote the mayor's way uh, regarding the former police chief. And there was a meeting where the mayor had accused trustee McLaughlin of taking a PBA card and and taking bribes and and all these things in a, in a very public way and it turns out that the trustee never took a pba card and he was also accused of using a pba card so he wouldn't get a ticket when he's pulled over um, but trustee mclaughlin doesn't drive so it really was a moment that was at the time a low for village board meetings that was something that i had not seen occur at a meeting up until that point um, and then as the makeup of the board and the composition of the board changed, things got better for a while. But now we're here where at almost every village board meeting, uh, there is some sort of a blow up. We haven't ever seen it devolve quite this badly before. I've seen it on town boards, but but that's sometimes a different animal because the town boards particularly i'm thinking of southampton town board years ago where there was a lot of party infighting where you have actual um members that run as democrats or republicans um for for that board and so you have a you know you have either a democratic majority or republican majority and and so you see a lot of um you know disagreements and and infighting perhaps based on 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 party and and sometimes you know personalities but i've never seen it the village boards are different where i mean they have their so-called parties that you know that that are that are alliances but it's not the same as being democrat or or, or republican um necessarily and it just seems to be a lot more personal yeah and it's fair to say that probably four of these board members knew what was coming down and one did not the night of the yeah. meeting, right um, another thing to note about the, the Village Labor Council is that when that letter came out on Martin Luther King Day, um, excoriating the mayor for his statements that preceded the village police chief pick turning down the job, uh, that letter was written by Labor Council Vince Toomey. So he's had a very direct hand in helping the trustees oppose the mayor and and has the village attorney been mm. perceived as more aligned with the mayor is that is are there proxy fights going on here basically with the attorneys you know the village attorney doesn't seem to particularly take sides other than if he receives something that the mayor is supposed to be aware of he's going to tell the mayor about it if the trustees tell the attorney something, he's not going to keep that a secret from the mayor because that's what you would expect a village attorney to do to keep everyone in the loop. Yeah, it just and it seems kind of odd to me that Vince Toomey would come in with these these resolutions that that the village attorney um, in in this meeting says that he hasn't he hasn't seen before. Um, it just so did they end up talking about it in executive session or no? 
No, they never talked about an executive session because the board did not want to vote to put it into executive session. So they just went into recess and let the two attorneys hash it out between themselves. So you have two attorneys, both being paid by the village, the village attorney at odds with the labor council, both getting paid hundreds of dollars per hour to argue with each other. Uh, so the final walk-on resolution concerned the mayor's current assistant and whether activities he performed were in violation of the Hatch Act, which is a federal law that doesn't allow you to do politicking on government time. Uh, you might have heard about this in some coverage of like the Trump administration and whether certain you know, a secretary over here or an underling over here was doing campaign work that they shouldn't have been doing. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that prevents you from like getting on a government flight paid for by the taxpayers to go to a campaign rally. Even when you fly on Air Force One, if you're taking it to a campaign rally, the party has to reimburse the government for that for those flight costs for or for whatever the cost of a commercial flight would have been. So that's generally when you hear about hat check violations. This is the first time I've heard about a hat check violation being alleged on the village Whereas level. Whereas Patrick Durenz is employed by the village as the assistant to the mayor, and whereas Durenz is a salaried employee of the village who is required to devote his time and attention during the workday to official village business, and whereas the employee was scheduled to work for the village on Friday, May 19th, 2023, during regular business hours for the village, and whereas the employee was permitted to work remotely on that date by Mayor Jesse Warren, who is his supervisor, and whereas during the workday on Friday, May 19th, 2023, Durenz engaged in political activity by sending an email to certain individuals inviting them to attend an event on Sunday, May 21st, 2023, in furtherance of the mayor's re-election campaign. And whereas on May 21st, 2023, Durenz attended and acted as the host and or moderator of the mayor's event, wherein the upcoming village mayoral election was discussed. And whereas among Durenz's duties for the village is seeking federal grants for various projects, and whereas the employee's actions on Friday, May 19th, 2023, at the apparent direction or request of Mayor Warren, wherein the employee engaged in political activity on behalf of Mayor Warren in furtherance of his reelection campaign, constitutes misconduct as it is a misappropriation of village resources for a partisan political purpose. And whereas the employee's activity on Friday, May 19th, 2023, constitutes misconduct and potential violations of state and federal law, and whereas the potential violations of law must be researched by the village's labor council and or village attorney and or other government agencies with jurisdiction over such conduct to determine if they constitute violations of state or federal law, and whereas, irrespective of whether such actions constitute violations of state or federal law, they constitute employee misconduct, which must be addressed. Now, therefore, be it resolved that Patrick Durenz is counseled that he is not permitted to engage in political activities during his regular work hours for the village, and that any future instance of engaging in such activity will result in his being suspended without pay pending further disciplinary action, and be it further resolved the village's labor council and village attorney are directed to jointly review this matter and advise the board of trustees if a referral to other government agencies is appropriate under the circumstances presented herein, and be it further resolved 
that Mayor Warren is not to continue to utilize village resources and personnel during their regular working hours to engage in political activity. Is there a motion? I make the motion. Second? Second. Discussion. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much on this, but I will say that first and foremost, um, I don't agree with this. I actually think Patrick is just a fantastic person and a fantastic employee who's done nothing wrong. He's come in day in, day out. He's worked hard. He's served the village residents. A lot of the village residents like him. Um, he's just a good, hardworking person. And if this board wants to attack me, they are welcome to do it. I signed up for this job, but it is not right um, to do that to Patrick. I think he's an outstanding person. And um, there's, there's so much wrong with this, I'll, I'll happily talk about it later. No point doing this on the public's time, but um, that's all I'm going to say in this, uh, at this point in time. Uh, it's, just, it's just wrong. Vince, did you want to address this? Vince, I, I think, I think I'm it's asking a, Vince to address this. Sure. Vince, I think this is enough um, at this point in time. Um, I would I would just recommend at this point, um, if we're going to talk about we we we've, we've talked about executive session, and ironically, out of all of the times to talk about executive session, if you want to talk about a personnel matter, now's the time to do it. Uh, but I would really uh, sincerely appreciate it if you just left this one alone, and you you refrained from 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 embarrassing anybody at this point. I, I have very few comments on this, Mayor, and in fact, I'm largely in agreement with you. This isn't whether Patrick's a, a good guy or not. By all accounts, he's a terrific employee and a very good person. It's not about Patrick. And this is really for the entire board, not just the mayor. There are serious consequences that occur when someone engages in political activity on work time. You can imperil your ability to get federal grants. It's a possible violation of federal law. This is on the board and any board member that directs a staff member to engage in political activity when they're at work. Patrick would essentially be a victim. If he was instructed to engage in these activities, he's being solely counseled, he's not being disciplined, that he's not to do that. The same advice would go to any member of this board, and there's no evidence that any member of this board has engaged in that activity other than this one instance. But it's advice to all of you. This has serious consequences and implications. You can't do it under any circumstances. And it's a heads up, essentially, to make sure that during what appears to be obviously a hotly contested election, that everyone follows the rules and doesn't engage in activity that could harm employees and members of the public or the ability to get federal grants. That's what's at stake here. There's something called the Federal Hatch Act. It's a very important statute, and it prohibits political activities by public employees who are involved in grant writing. That's what we're trying to do here is make sure that everyone understands the rules, follows those, and we don't have any further violations of it. That's all I have to say. Thank you, Mayor. And I will say that Patrick has not done any of that. And if there's one person that hasn't done what you're describing, it's Patrick. So I just want to make that clear to you, Vince. Um, and I actually think what you said is entirely false about Patrick. Um, I think it's malicious. And I think it is just an entirely false statement done to bully and, and, and intimidate and embarrass a very good person for something that he did not do. 
Mr. Mayor, yeah, I agree with you completely about Patrick's personality and character. My question to you is why do you put him in the position of asking him to stay home and send out your emails? Why do you put him in position of having him moderate your political campaign speech? Why do you put him in the position of having him carry in your uh, your party goods to your to your meeting at Home and Nature a few weeks ago. Why are you doing this to him? I mean, why why are you putting him in this position? I, I don't understand. Well, first off, I can tell you a few things about email marketing. Um, it's on a timer, so clearly, if you send an email at a certain time, he didn't ask about email you, marketing. You could, he asked, you could, "Why are you putting Patrick in this you position?" Could say, okay. So I want to break here because be, before uh, the mayor was shouted down here. He was trying to say that there may have been an email that was delivered on a Friday during business hours, but that doesn't mean that Patrick was writing the email or clicking the send button during business hours on a Friday. He was trying to say, if you're using an email blast service, you schedule it for an ideal time to go out. Like at the Southampton Press, when you get your email on Thursday morning or Friday morning with that week's headlines at 7 a.m. That doesn't mean that somebody is up at 6.59 a.m. clicking send. It means that we pre-scheduled it. And that was the point that the mayor was trying to make here. And I think that's important because they did this resolution in public. They chided the mayor's assistant in a very public way. They used his name in the resolution. They didn't say like employee one, two, three or whatever. They didn't agree to have this discussion in executive session, and they accused the mayor's assistant of doing something very specific and have and have committed wrongdoing. Um, but if they're wrong, and if Patrick could show, like, no, I did that at eight o'clock at night on a Thursday when it wasn't business hours and I was on my own time, then the village trustees have just opened up the village to liability. Now there could be another lawsuit saying that he was defamed by the village trustees um, who are alleging that he did something he didn't do. Defamation lawsuits are difficult because for a number of reasons, one of them is things said during public meetings uh, or public proceedings can often be exempt from defamation suits because people need to be able to conduct business in public without worrying about getting uh, sued for everything they say. If people have to worry about every word that they say, um, it, it would be very difficult to have public meetings. And all of those libel lawsuits would be very stifling um, to public bodies being able to get their work done. But I think in this instance, they're running a very risky game by having this resolution and making very specific allegations that they can't necessarily prove. There's an irony here too, right, Brendan, that this is a board that we were saying, or I was saying earlier, was is has been guilty of not conducting business in public and sort of being, you know, not necessarily being following the open meetings law. Here's a case where this was an issue they probably could have had this entire conversation behind closed doors because it involved the disciplining of a specific employee. That is a reason that you can have an executive session, but they chose to have this conversation in public for whatever reasons. Um, and as you say, uh, that carries its own risks. So it's kind of an irony to it as well. 
Well, when you say for whatever reason, I think that the reason is they wanted to embarrass the mail, the mayor a couple of weeks before the election. And even if everything they said was right, that um, the mayor's decision shouldn't be allegedly comparing um, carrying campaign materials to an event. um, They obviously did it as this walk on resolution and as a spectacle to embarrass the mayor uh, before the election. They had other options of a way to handle this and doing this less than a month before the election. It's hard to separate the two. It's hard to separate this resolution from they were trying to embarrass the mayor before the election. All three of these resolutions, all three walk on resolutions that were prepared not by the village attorney, but by by the outside labor attorney and and walked on without um, the mayor's knowledge at all. Feels to me, um, I'm going to editorialize a little bit like a like a hatchet job made to make him um, put him on the spot, make him feel uncomfortable, make him defend himself. Um, that, that just it just doesn't seem like um, um, good practice to me. Vince Toomey's advice there is important for everybody to hear, but you know, the way it was delivered, it it really was very pointed. And one thing that I will say about the mayor's conduct and the use of his assistant is the mayor had a virtual town hall on Zoom. He invited residents to ask questions. Um, It's impossible to know, you know, who wrote the questions just based on watching the video. But that video exists on the mayor's um, campaign YouTube page. It doesn't exist on a village YouTube page where it it could. Mm. Uh, The mayor insisted that that, you know, as the mayor, he's allowed to have town hall meetings with residents. I did not say during that town hall meeting that you should vote for me. I did not say that you should uh, donate to my campaign. It was just a, a town hall style meeting with the mayor. The moderator of that meeting was the mayor's assistant. The mayor is saying that having his assistant moderate a town hall doesn't violate any law or create any impropriety because he's the mayor's assistant. Why wouldn't he moderate the town hall? But that town hall exists on the mayor's campaign YouTube page. I mean, it's just YouTube. It could exist anywhere. Not a huge deal. But the mayor is also linking to that town hall from his campaign ads. So he's obviously using it as campaign material. And I watched the town hall. One of the questions was about the mayor's relationship with the board and and his political opponent, Bill Manger, who's contesting him for the mayor's seat. And when that question came up, instead of having his assistant read it, the mayor said, oh, he's a village hall employee. I don't want him to read that. I'm going to read that myself. So the mayor acknowledged that the assistant to the mayor, who's a government paid employee, shouldn't be asking political questions out at, at a town hall meeting. So the mayor's acknowledgement of that seems to acknowledge that at least in part, this town hall meeting was somewhat political related. Um, but did cutting his assistant out of just asking that one question, was that enough? Or should he have just not had his assistant do this period? Because at least some of these questions were going to be specifically related to the campaign. And when he answered that question, you know, he went hard at Bill Menger. If we had all day, I would play you the clips uh, of what he said on that event, too. But that wasn't a town hall that was all like sewers and taxes. It was an opportunity to tout his record, but also to come down hard 
on the trustees who oppose his agenda and to come down hard on Bill Manger, who's running against him for mayor. It wasn't purely uh, a get to know your mayor kind of meeting. If if it, if it was, if it had been purely a campaign event, there certainly would be no issue. And it's after hours and not not during business hours, then then there would not be a problem with his assistant participating in that, right? There's no rule that a village employee can't help with a campaign. You see that um, all, all the time with every single campaign for somebody in, in office already that, that their staff supports them in their campaigns, goes and knocks on doors, passes out flyers. Um, you know, the question is, was this a campaign event or, or was it not a campaign event? I guess that could make a difference, but but there's really no rule against that, right? Or am I reading that wrong? I've seen this happen on the town level. You have legislative aides for the town who also work on town board members' campaigns. Right. So I don't think it's unprecedented. I think you see that in, in higher office too, congressional campaigns and um, you know, and the like. Right. You you just you can't cross the streams. <laughs> right. That was a film reference. It was Ghostbusters. Yeah. Right. Uh, so let, let's catch the last 25 seconds of this that meeting. The question, not email marketing. The question is, why are you putting Patrick in this position? Let's move on. Okay, you can't okay. answer that question. So, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Opposed. Okay, 4-1. This concludes the resolutions. Thank you. You're welcome, sir. Uh, I'd like to make a motion to adjourn the meeting. Is there a second? Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. And and all three of these walk all three of these walk-ons were approved, Brendan. Right? Yes, they were all approved four to one. Four to one. I, I was saying before that they had informally told the administrator to instruct the attorney that he is not to write any legislation on behalf of the mayor unless they know that there is a second for that legislation. They told him that informally, which is not how you're supposed to conduct business. You're supposed to actually pass a resolution if you're setting village policy. At this same meeting where they did the three walk-ons, they did in fact formalize that um, by passing a resolution. Um, it just passed kind of quietly. The mayor did not voice any opposition to that because, you know, he wasn't going to get anywhere opposing that. It was going to be four to one no matter what he said. So we're... We're heading into a village election then that's taking place in a in a very difficult environment, right? It's gonna be hot. Summer's coming. <laughs> is, that, is that it? We just gonna end it there? That's fine. I look, I'll 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 editorialize one more and, and not take sides either way. But if I was a village of Southampton um resident and, and voter, I would I would take notes of of both sides of of bringing um bringing camp campaign issues um into into board meetings and you know if if you want to if you guys want to duke it out and you want to fight and you want to let the public know why you're a better candidate to, then then do that but when you start mixing in um you know legislation and, and this goes to goes to both sides of the camp if you want to start introducing legislation that might be perceived as as just trying to further one campaign or the other then, then I'd be kind of upset as a as a village board resident that that my tax resources um, are going to fund that, and and so maybe um, I don't know. Can you can you still vote none of the above? <laughs> hmm. 
I don't know. What's the what's the thinking on the street? Do we have any sense of I mean, what side the support's coming down on? No, I'll, I'll just say that I think Jesse Warren in, in the past has had pretty strong support in the village. And I think that there's there was a feeling at least among uh, Bill Manger's camp that the number of petitions, the signatures he got on his petitions was a lot more than Jesse got. Um, and I think they celebrated that fact. But um, we shall see. I mean, I, I think I think the mayor has a fairly strong uh, base that he works from in the village. So uh, this is going to be an interesting, it'll be an interesting race for so many reasons. And we touched on some of it today, I think. So what's the date of the, uh, the election? The election is June 16th. That's a Friday. Okay. So stay tuned. That's all we can say. Yeah. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and sagharborexpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.